Well, export sales were horrible this week with some of the worst weekly sales totals in months, the worst of corn since 2012 and the worst for soybean since 2011. Record soybean crop in Brazil after recent rains, even with La Nina. We'll talk to David Coley about that. The October WASDE report coming up this next Wednesday. Everybody and his uh, second brother are uh, coming up with estimates for that. Other than that, the, you know, this uh, cold snap that blew through the Midwest, not really a big deal. I mean, we got a little spritz in the old rain gauge. Harvest conditions, dry and favorable. And I mean, we're looking at what, like eight or 10 days or something like that with pretty decent conditions. So looks like harvest really going to crank up. Coley and Cavanaugh brought to you by the Allen County Farm Bureau. And boy, I'll tell you what, what a full list of stuff that's going on right now. Now that the Farm Bureau is involved with uh, broadband carbon credit conversation, obviously the Farm Bill, but even more than that, the waters of the U.S. Supreme Court took that up this week. So we're all uh, kind of waiting with bated breath. Unfortunately, David, we uh, we don't have our partner in crime with us today. Uh, Kavanaugh has uh, has other things on his agenda. David, let's start with that export sales report because it was pathetic this week. Some of the worst weekly sales totals in simply months going back to 2012 for corn and 2011 for soybeans. Grain prices tanked because of it, but I think that there was more to it than just that. Maybe some of these buyers are looking for a better deal because we're in the midst of a harvest. Or, David, is it high prices just carrying high prices? Well, yeah, we're seeing that with other competing countries lowering their prices, too. And I think everybody wants to get in line here with these currency changes because the dollar has just been on a terror to the upside lately. But I think one of the indications I have, and I think we really don't have our head wrapped around it, are the Mississippi River and Tennessee River levels. And I think the barges being stuck have kept people away Mm. from buying at the Gulf. Now, we could go to the Pacific Northwest, but not a lot of it's going to be pushed to that until we get to the major part of harvest, especially in the Western Corn Belt, Rob. So I think that was the big reason that the export sales were so low, because nobody wanted to commit to something that they couldn't possibly see delivered. And to that point, there was one of the biggest barge companies declared force majeure this week. Yeah, Ingram. They all of a sudden said, no, we can't get through the rivers. The Tennessee River has been closed at Memphis and right there as it goes into the Mississippi. So they said, we can't haul the barges anymore. We're just going to shut her down. We'll get through what we can. But there are so many barges already stuck on these sandbars <laughs> that uh, it's almost impossible to get anything down the Mississippi or the Tennessee River at this point. Well, now I was glad to hear you talk about the Tennessee River this week because we have a tendency only to think about the Mississippi River and nothing else. And yet there are, there's an entire river system here in the U.S. that uh, we really count on to move our grain. One of the other things that you mentioned there about volatility this week in the grain market was about uh, cheaper corn out there on the global market. And with the dollar going up, boy, Brazil, if you want it, that's the place to go to get the good deal. Yeah, no kidding. And uh, we did find out from Ukraine this week about their progress on their harvest. It's going to push more interest to Brazil because of what they have available, uh, Ukraine said that their crop sizes were way down. Their wheat crop was 19.2 million metric tons, and last year 32.2. This is a lot less than I expected. And their barley crop down to 5.5 from 4.1. So this is pulling everything down to South America because their rivers aren't in bad shape right now because the two areas down in Brazil that are getting the more rain are definitely uh, the better growing areas. So they're able to load boats. Argentina, that's the other story, Rob. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the weather 
because the soybean crop in Brazil is expected to be record-breaking. And that's kind of a surprise after we've heard so much about the impact of La Nina there in South America. But apparently, they got some rain here in the month of September. And the farmers are looking to reap a record 150.6 million metric tons is what I'm hearing. And that's despite the drought conditions in Brazil. Well, let's take it to the next level because CONAB had their estimates out on October the 6th this week. And Karen Braun, thank her. Boy, Karen is just fabulous. If you're on Twitter, follow her. So the thing I want to stress is they had from Brazil, this is CONAB, they said that their bean production is going to be up to 152.35. Last year was 125.55. Look at that difference. And the corn, 126.94 is their crop they're going to be, you know, planting this spring. Last year was 112.81. So corn ending stocks, 10.18. Last year, 8.49. It's not increasing as much as the crop is. And soy exports, from 78.27 last year to 95.88. You know what that tells me? It looks like this thing is going to be really well demanded. So the ending stock's only up to 6.28 from 4.33 after the export numbers are exploding. That's the point. They've got demand. Wow. Those are amazing numbers. You know, we talk about harvest here in the U.S. Maybe some of those buyers is kind of sitting around waiting for some of the better prices, you know, when it's really coming out of the field uh, fast and furiously. Not coming out of the field very fast and furiously in Ohio, though, probably one of the few places around the U.S., David, that did not have very good harvest progress this past week. Yeah, and think back. I kept commenting about that. Remember, in the spring and early summer, their crop condition on corn was terrible, and their crops were so late planted. Pretty much what we saw here in northeast Indiana, too. Not the rest of Indiana, but portions of Illinois were the same way, but not as big as Ohio was. And Ohio really suffered weather-wise, and that's really coming to the fore at this point. And as you see, this harvest, you know, starting up here, finally on beans. Normally, you're into the beans in the middle of early September. This is, you know, the middle of early of October, Rob, so it's a pretty late harvest. In Ohio, I think it's really been hurt hard by this, although yield talk on Ohio isn't as bad as I expected, the same way here in Northeast Indiana. I just heard on Friday about some people who were thinking only 50 to 55 bushels per acre, and across the scale, they got 70 bushels per acre. Nice. We'll take that. In a moment, we want to talk about the WASDE report coming up this next week. But one of the things with regard to weather, I just wanted to get your quick take on. We're looking at some pretty chilly temperatures both today here on Saturday and going through the weekend, particularly across the northern plains. I'm talking about the Dakotas and Wisconsin, Minnesota, talking about some freezing temperatures. But you've got to get those beans out of the field if that's coming your way. Yeah, especially if they're over moisture. You know, some of them are down to like 15 to 16 and they're dropping during the day down to 12. So if you're able to get them, get them. But I've not seen the polar vortex this well established this early. Normally, I don't really watch the polar vortex until end of November, December. But it looks like here in October, this looks like the November, December type polar vortex. So where's this cold air coming from? It's coming from the North Pole. And this (laughs) air is very welcome. Normally, it's all wishy-washy and squishy. You know, but this year it all concentrated itself into a smaller area and bam, here it is on our doorstep. Good news for our guys right here in our region. We've got some pretty decent conditions, so uh, guys can get out and really get after it. Let's turn to the October WASDE report. Coming out this Wednesday, Bloomberg took a survey of trade analysts, and the consensus is that corn yield will drop 
by about a half bushel to 172.1. The average trade guess for production at 13.9 billion bushels. And on soybeans, they looked for the yields to rise only slightly, almost imperceptibly. Production had a wide variety of guesses. I can't even believe this, David. Their guesses were from 70 million bushels below USDA's September estimate of 4.38 billion to 85 million over. Those are just guesses right there. Yeah, it's really hard to get a whole picture on the crop because everybody's looking out their back door. And I mean, there's a tendency to do that. I, you know, I find myself in the same situation. But with the variability we've had in the crop this year, it's so yeah. hard to get your head wrapped around it. <laughs> and the harvest hasn't progressed that far. So we really don't know what this crop is. We probably won't start dialing it until November. And then finally in January, we'll get a much better idea. Now, you got some numbers from Allendale, I believe, this week. Uh, what, what are they looking at? Are their guesses fairly synonymous with the others? Not exactly. Uh, they've got the corn at 13.937, so it's pretty close to the USDA number of 13.944. So they're not changing their yield very much, but they've got the beans at 4.410. And look, last year was 4.449. I definitely think that uh, we're going to be seeing that the USDA is going to be looking at a little bigger bean crop this year, especially with the late rains, as I expected. Uh, the carryover we're expecting on corn, listen to this. And th this is going to really jump off the page. For next year's carryover, 1.166 billion bushels of corn. Whoa. This last year was 1377. Corn is tight. It's so tight it squeaks. Wow. And on the beans, down a little bit, 254. And you know, we were looking recently, you know, around 274. So I feel strongly that that bean carryover will come up a bit. We'll have to be aware of that. But this corn carryover is so tight right now, I just want to be anything but short corn. Well, you know, one of the things that I want you to reflect on is demand for both corn and soybeans. Now, you know, global export demand is pretty shaky right now. Domestic demand, though, is still good, thanks to favorable crush margins that are really kind of keeping processors busy buying cash beans. Ethanol production fell off here recently. And, you know, if we get the slowdown that everybody is talking about on a global level, demand might help some of those real tight stocks. Yeah, it would. And that's the thing I want to talk about. Yes, we can change the supply, but if we don't increase the demand, you're not going to get higher prices. I think we're so keyed into, oh, less supplies means higher prices. No, 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 no. Less prices and less demand equal themselves out. So, yeah, you can't push the button until you see the demanding, especially with the weekly export sales this week. Oh, wow, yeah. we're screaming Oof. over and over. The demand isn't there. We wanted the rivers are stuck. We've got all this export sales that's falling off. We don't have the foreign demand we expected. And I think with the dollar going higher, as we mentioned earlier, I hate to repeat it, but I have to bring it up again. I've got to look more at the demand side of this than I look at the supply side. Yeah. I think so, we're so key to look at that all the time. No, no, no. From now on, watch the supply side. That's the key to higher prices. Yeah, I've really had my eye on demand quite a bit here lately, thinking, eh, well, you know, uh, we do have tight supplies, but boy, without some demand, uh, we'll know on Wednesday when the WASDE report comes out from USDA. Let's turn our attention toward hogs, because uh, that was interesting to watch this past week. October hogs on Thursday, uh, up a buck fifty, and, you know, it hasn't been small moves in either, the, in either the hogs or cattle. Both of them have been moving in big gobs, you know, like $2 at a, at a move. So uh, talk to us about that. 
October hogs at 92.37 or something like that here midweek, but the futures price on hogs down from that. And Rob, let me explain something here about this volatility because it is rather egregious. I mean, this is huge volatility you're talking about. I've noticed it too, but the problem is that we have very high prices right now. And if you look at volatility in terms of the price, volatility increases as the prices go higher because the higher the price, the more variability you get in the market because the market is trying to balance supply and demand, but with a higher price, it's more difficult to do. So any negative news tends to be very negative. Any positive news is exaggerated because it's very positive. And look at the hog news this week. We did see the pork market finally turning up. We had export sales of pork at 34,300, came back again. Mexico, not China. Mexico again was a buyer, yeah. 16,810. And here was China, 10,000. I mean, the big number for China. And we know that they're overstocked with pork, but they still want ours. I don't blame them for that. Mm-hmm. But yeah. then cash cattle this week, look what the Packers pay. You know, they were trying to get away with the 142, 143 price. They bid up and bought cattle. They had to in Kansas at 144. And then Nebraska was 145 to 146. And this is the funny thing, as I've been talking about, the beef market for both choice and select has been holding up very, very well, despite the fact that we're featuring pork at this time. I don't know what it is other than to say, give me a hamburger. <laughs> <laughs> well, watching the pork market, obviously, because it's pork sandwich month for crying out loud. You know, there should be moving a lot of that stuff. Look at we can finish up just like normal people do without having to tolerate Kavanaugh's final word. Yeah, I thought about that. I thought, hey, sorry, John. <laughs> You'll be back next week, I hope. And I hope you have a dandy because this week we're saying, uh-uh, you're out. Colleen Kavanaugh, brought to you by the Allen County Farm Bureau. And on a more serious note, we have several things on the agenda right now. First up, the Waters of the U.S. case is being heard before the Supreme Court on Monday. And the Farm Bureau has been there leading the charge on that one. We've also got hearings on the Farm Bill and midterm elections. And all the politicians right now are asking for money for their campaigns. But I tell you what, if you want to be assured that food is going to continue to get to your table, the group you want to support is the Farm Bureau, making a difference with candidates and issues on the local, the state, and the national level. Bottom line, if you like to eat, you need to support your local Farm Bureau with a membership. Go online to it, pays to be a member.org. Podcasts by Federated Media.